Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 185. My name is Adam Patterson, back from a much enjoyed vacation, even though the weather was kind of shitty. Still enjoyed it. We, we got out in time, but it was still kind of overcast and a little rainy for most of the week. We did have, there was one good beach day, and then maybe we probably could have got another one out, out there, but like... It was kind of crappy in the morning, and then it got better later, but we had already left and went out to do things, so... But, I, I mean, it was still nice. It was still a nice vacation with the family, so... Joined today by Kevin Rakestraw. How you doing, Kevin? I'm doing all right. Good, good. That's good to hear. Yeah. This week on the docket, we'll be reviewing Sicario and Partisan. Yeah. Two, two one-word titles this week. Uh, we'll also be going over some of what we've been watching, this week's movie predictions, new on video on demand, DVD and Blu-ray releases, all the usual stuff. We're back live this week since I'm back home in New York. So if you're tuning into the live show, welcome. Uh, I will try to keep an eye on the chat and in the comments, so feel free to join in on the conversation. Actually, let me make sure that, uh, let me make sure everything's looking good with that. Yeah, yeah. it's looking good. It, it looks like we're in there. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and jump into our first review. We're, let's let's talk about uh, Partisan first. We'll 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 save Sicario for last. This is directed by and again I'm gonna preemptively apologize for any butchering of names that happens this week because I think it's gonna happen several times on my part. So should should we just like develop a disclaimer for the beginning of the show for that? Yeah, because you can pretty much say that for every single show that we do. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Well, this is directed by Ariel Kleeman. Uh, Kleeman, we'll say Kleeman. Sure. Yeah. This stars Vincent Cassell, Jeremy Chabriel, and Florence Mizarra. I have a synopsis here. Once I pull it up, Alexander, a boy who has been raised in a sequestered commune, finds that his increasing unwillingness to fall in line puts him on a collision course with Gregory, the society's charismatic and domineering leader. This is out now in limited release and on video on demand. Now, Kevin, you actually wrote a review for this one, so I'm going to start it off. I'm going to start this one off. Kick it. I actually watched this in the car on my trip, so not the most ideal viewing format. However, I think I got a, a good grasp of what's going on here in this movie. I gotta say, I, I uh, really enjoyed this at the beginning. For probably two-thirds of the movie, I was, I, was, I was fully in it. I was really, really into this movie. I thought it looked amazing. I was deeply enthralled by the story that was going on here with this commune. I was kind of uh, struggling to figure out where the hell this was supposed to take place because it's technically an Australian film, but everybody had really strange accents. They all spoke English. Yeah. But they all had really weird accents, so I was never really sure where this movie is. I don't know if we're supposed to know. Are we supposed to know where it takes place? No, I don't think so. Because I think like part of it was shot in Georgia, <clears throat> the country, and then another... I forget some there's another place that was shot too then you have like a completely international cast because you're right there's there's so many different yeah a lot of a lot of weird uh, ethnicities and things going on in this in this movie 
But, uh, I, yeah, so into it at first. However, as the film progressed, I, it started losing me a little bit, and I felt like the end was a little bit underwhelming. Now, I will say that, and I'm not going to give it away, but I thought that the final, final shot was really good, and uh, I really liked where they ended it. But uh, overall, I, I don't know. There just there wasn't enough here to keep me fully invested the entire time. I would agree 100%. Nice, nice. Because I didn't read your review. I saw your score, but I, I didn't read your review. I mean, it looks great. It looks great for a feature-length debut. Um, the amount of thought that goes into this world that they build is impressive, especially considering, like, the amount of creativity to set up just the karaoke itself. Yeah. Like, they made videos for the karaoke songs. Yeah. Like, they, it almost seems like they put more thought into the karaoke than they did, like, the actual film. film. I was wondering about that, because the, the karaoke songs, when they show the videos, I was thinking to myself, are those actual, like, karaoke videos? Yeah, if you go to YouTube, you can... They have three videos. The one, the first song, I forget the name, but it's Robin and someone else do that song. And then the, the, the second song, the Saving My Love for Saturday Night or whatever it was, that's Jarvis Cocker and someone else. Mm-hmm. And they actually have videos for it and everything. And they're silly. Yeah, I, yeah I knew that the videos weren't like the actual artist's music videos but I thought that maybe they used some kind of weird old karaoke setup that had those like pre-programmed in or something. <laughs> it might have. It might be. I don't know. But I mean, there's just there's so much going on here that a lot of it isn't explained or expounded upon, which at first was is okay because there's this ambiguity to everything and you're not quite sure what's going on. But then once you get towards the end of the film, and, you know, you're running out of time for questions to get answered. The problem is that they don't really, they don't really bring up any questions to begin with. The only answers that you're looking for are plot point specifics. You know, why, mm-hmm. why, why are these kids assassinating people? Like, why is that part of the, and why is that a genre now? Can we stop with those movies? Child assassin. Like, yeah, like how many, how many more of these are we going to have? Well, I thought that it was a cool premise to have a commune of child assassins. I, I kind of liked that. However, yeah, like, but how like how how interesting is that novelty in, for like like the well, first like run through and then that's it because they don't really go anywhere with it. Well, that's the thing in this setting. I think that that it is interesting. However, they don't they just don't develop it enough. Like the the whole assassin portion, I thought was not developed very much at all we don't know who these people are we don't know why why does he need so many kids to become assassins are there that many people in this little town that need assassinating i mean (laughs) holy crap he's got an army of assassin children how does he pick the kids i mean we can we can assume that this is all that seems to be all kids that are from uh, uh single mothers but yeah. but you know how does he does he just troll hospitals and, and well that's what it looks like in the beginning when he gets Alexander because that's really the only thing you see he just pops into a hospital and he's like hey what's up yeah and 
I mean, f- uh, furthermore, why why do the ho- the hospitals allow this 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 weird guy to be kind of stalking around the maternity ward? You know. Yeah, you would think after because what his harem has like six ladies, seven ladies, in at, le- at least six. You would think like at some point they'd be like, this guy keeps showing up and, and, and disappearing away. with <laughs> women and their children, and then they they never return again. <laughs> I mean, it was kind of, I, I liked the location of the commune itself. It was kind of tucked away and hidden through this cave system. And it was kind of this uh, oasis almost within this kind of crumbling city from the looks of it. Yeah. And I, but, I, I liked that. It, it had kind of a, almost a like a Lost Boys vibe to it. It's just, it, it's a good idea with good production design. And then they just stopped there. They were just like, we got it. Done. And another thing that I wasn't a huge fan of, and here we go. This this was coming. Not a big fan of the kid, Jeremy <laughs> Chipperheel. He was so... He had just these dead eyes that creeped me out the whole time. He was so, <laughs> he was so emotionless through almost the entire movie a- until his um, brother... He's, he's soaking it in, man. He's just soaking it in. That's the way at least I saw it. I thought they were able to get a good amount of tension from that, from the way that he kind of plays off of Vincent Cassell's character. Well, yeah. And I don't know if it's, like, Vincent Cassell's line delivery or if it's just his accent makes everything sound threatening. Like, every single thing that he said sounded like a threat. That was actually going to be my next point because you were talking about the tension in this movie, and I think that the tension is pretty... It's a pretty tense movie, and I think that that's largely due to Vincent Cassell. But when you watch the movie, he almost never does anything that is abusive or evil to to his family. It, you know, all the people involved, the kids or the, the women that he has there. And even though he doesn't do anything at all, he seems like actually a pretty good dad, even though he's you know, obviously what he's doing is terrible. Well, I'm talking about just how he treats everyone. He seems yeah. like a very loving father figure to these people. And even though there was that, you always had this like nagging feeling that at any moment he's just going to murder everyone. You know? Yeah. I think that's just how cults work now. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's you know, just... Like, you just always think like the cult leader is going to kill everyone yeah. at some point in time. Maybe it's just because just, history's kind of shown that to you over yeah. and over again. Maybe it's just because we were from the outside looking in and we just had a feeling that that's the way it was going to go just out of kind of instinct. Because has there has there ever been like cults that just kind of ended like through like self-realization like, hey, you guys know what? This isn't working. Let's just pack it up. I don't know. Everyone can go home. Maybe that's what will happen with that guy from American Pie that started the cult. Was it American Pie? Oh no, 10 Things I Hate About oh, You. 10 Things I Hate About You. I wonder what, I wonder where, what his cult's doing right now. I wonder if it's still in existence. I don't know. Maybe they're having a good time. Maybe maybe that is, maybe that cult is the exception. Yeah. Well, okay, back to Vincent Cassell. Yeah, you're right. And, and like you said, there's so much tension there because you do believe that at any moment something terrible is going to happen. And we get kind of like a glimpse of it when that other kid shows up. Yeah, that Lucas, has some knowledge and kind of Lucas or something. Yeah, and kind of uh, 
questions questions him on a number of things and then Vincent Cassell's like really into people eating chicken. Mm. <laughs> he he wants you to eat chicken. Yeah. So you can see that. There's a lot of force feeding of chicken lately too, between Killer Joe, nothing bad can happen. Yeah. And partisan. I immediately <laughs> thought of nothing bad can happen during that scene. <laughs> so that's a thing too. We got that as a genre. <laughs> the chicken force feed. Got chicken force feed and uh, child assassins. Yeah. But again, you get to the end here and it's just, it's like, oh, okay, well, I know I, I use this as a criticism a lot, but you know, what's the point? What was the point of this? Were you trying to say anything? Cause it doesn't feel like it. And if you weren't, it, it was fairly entertaining. Yeah. They're mildly, just mildly, mildly. There wasn't a lot that happened regarding the actual assassinations either. We see it happen a few times, but it doesn't really go into detail about who they are, how they carry out these assassinations. It seems like they do the same thing every time. Yeah. But I was thinking that they were going to have the the kid kind of be exploring more or, you know, starting to discover more of the outside world. And that was going to make him... Uh, yeah, because there's really only one scene of that. Right. What, two? Maybe two. Two of the, chocolate bar and then he meets that other kid yeah he meets that other kid for like a second which jesus christ kids playing with handguns just terrifies me <laughs> yeah Jeez, that was the most <laughs> that was unnerving that, that's that scene was tense as can be yeah you want to talk about like making the most tense like horror movie ever it would just be like a room full of kids, room full like of kids. kids and they find a gun that's loaded and it's just that for like 98 minutes okay? and they're passing it back and forth looking yeah, looking just, down the barrel it's just one day it's like a kindergarten class comes across a gun in their classroom and then for the rest of the day it's just them playing with it <laughs> that i would have a heart attack with that movie yeah yeah i think so by the way i mean don't make that because that would i think that would kill me actually <laughs> Don't do it. It would actually, it would literally kill me. <laughs> I would die. I mean, it's partisan for me is um, slightly successful again as a debut in the sense that I'd, I'd like to see more from the director. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see more, but it's just I wasn't that enamored with this. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I, I mean, it's not, not the best child assassin movie. And it's not the best uh, chicken force feed movie out there. It's I not mean, the, you can do better. It's not the best cult movie either, I would say. Yeah. It's not the, yeah. There you go. Even though I don't even know, they never really get into kind of the ideology of what yeah, Vincent Cassell's doing either. Like if it, yeah. if it is even a cult, if you could call it a cult or if it's more of a commune, I don't yeah. even know. I would say more of a commune. I just, I don't, yeah, there's just, there were so many questions I had about the, logistics of how this commune works you know how they get food and water and electricity and plumbing and do this does that one guy that they call their uncle does he only come there once a month or does he come there every week because it seems like it's kind of a rare thing so he probably only comes there like once a month how how do people not know about this yeah you know i mean i get that it's kind of hidden away and in the middle of nowhere but if they have electricity, you know, they either they're using some sort of generator. You could just dig deep. You could dig deep well, into yeah. this. <laughs> well, plus you give it like, you know, 
Hey, what's up with the you guys have her spot like the kids with the blue backpack? Yeah, exactly. They all have the like, same backpack. I thought about that too. Where the fuck they come from? Well, it's weird. Have you ever noticed every time that we see them, someone dies, someone gets shot? Isn't that weird? I think someone would piece that together. Again, I'll just go back to the amount of murdering that happens in this town. Because it does not seem like a big town. Now, these kids, they probably, it seems like they can't go very far. The one scene, he actually walked to the place, and the other one, he rode a dirt bike. So, presumably, they're staying within the city limits. And they're murdering people left and right, apparently. Their their agenda is jam-packed with assassinations. From morning to night, it seems like. And then they relax with karaoke. I don't know. There's just... And I also feel like the kid would have... Because he seems like he knows what's going on. And I feel like he would feel more conflicted about just murdering innocent people who he doesn't even know. Yeah, I know. I feel like even if you're raised in that environment, training to be a killer, you would still, at a certain point, you would suddenly realize... What I'm doing here is not it's it's wrong and and I didn't get the sense that he felt that it was wrong. I just got the sense that he was tired of Vincent Cassell, mm-hmm. you know his his domineering nature, yeah, just getting, getting tired of it wanting to be his own man, yeah, but I, again, I'll say that I did like that final that final shot with the baby, yeah, I thought that that was a really interesting way to end it. It's a good way to end it, plus it ended it, which was yeah. nice, yeah, yeah. All right, that's all I have to say about Partisan. Do you have any other final thoughts? No, I got nothing. Uh, light recommend for me, I would say. Looks looks good. It's an interesting story, but just don't be... I don't know. I, maybe I was just... Because I did see the trailer. Maybe I was just expecting more substance to it. And I think that that's just what it is. I expected it to be more substantial in the dynamics of the group and how they carry out these assassinations and all of that. Yeah. It just feels, the assassination thing just feels incredibly forced. Just to be like, hey, isn't this interesting? They're kids killing people. Well, in the grand scheme of things, it actually has very little to do with the movie at all. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. I mean, they, they could yeah. have they could have taken out all the assassination stuff and just left it as this weird commune where Vincent Cassell is kind of taking in battered women and raising the you know, being a sort of like a polygamist almost. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, so it looks like you gave this a six and a half out of 10. I'm going to go ahead and throw out a, uh, I'll give it a six and a half too. Nah, see, then I'll, then I feel like I'm copying off of you. I'm, st- I'm still going to give it a six and a half because that was going to be my original score anyway. So that's the part, that's, partisan it's playing i keep wanting to say the partisan for some reason just do it (laughs) that's the partisan (laughs) playing now in limited release and on video on demand let's move on and talk about some sicario this is directed by uh another name that i will assuredly butcher i know it's denis i think villeneuve oh my god that sounded so good yeah i don't know kind of maybe close hopefully this stars Emily Blunt, Josh Brolin, Benicio Del Toro. I have a synopsis here. An idealistic FBI agent is enlisted by an elected government task force to aid in the escalating war against drugs at the border area between the U.S. and Mexico. Kevin, we'll start it with you. What did you think of Sicario? Sicario is pretty good. 
I enjoyed it for what it was. Uh, again, it's not something that I think is the, anything special, really, unfortunately. But I'd say it's pretty solid for what it is. Yeah. Uh, a lot of good stuff in there. I, I don't know. It's just to me, it just felt um, a bit standard. Well, see, that's that's an interesting that's an interesting point because I think that on the surface it is it seems it does seem pretty standard. But the more I thought about it after seeing it, the more it kind of felt it felt more complex to me. Like the more I thought about it, and I, I think that that's what this director likes to do. I mean, this is the guy that did prisoners and enemy and it to me it wasn't when i first came out of the theater to me it was like oh that that was a really good above average um like military crime thriller but then kind of the more i thought about it it sunk in and and i think i appreciated it more after sitting with it for a while because it, it, it does some interesting things uh first the film appears to focus on Emily Blunt's character. So she's this uh, FBI, right? Yeah, she's an FBI agent mm-hmm. who gets... She volunteers for this uh, kind of mysterious task force. And she doesn't even know who's running the damn thing. She kind of just knows that it's a government agency. I think that they said that they were the DOD at first. It was like some sort yeah. of Department of Defense task force or whatever. And as it goes on she realizes that this is, it's not exactly what they said it was. And they're doing things that they, she's not a hundred percent okay with. And at at one point, and this is not a big spoiler or anything. I don't think at one point, the perspective changes. It's near the very end. And we switch perspectives to Benicio del Toro. And then I started to think, you know, maybe, maybe it's Benicio del Toro. Who's essentially the main character this whole time. Absolutely. And it's really his story that they're telling. Yeah, kind of. Which, I, I, and I mean, I I know that. I see it. But I'm still, that's not that impressive to me. I, I mean, I thought it was kind of interesting. But at the same time, when you do uh, shift to Del Toro's point of view, the movie to me just became this like fantasy world where it's like one guy takes down the entire yeah, tu- cartel. Yeah, it turns into the the action ramps up and it turns into almost a a revenge thriller. Um, yeah, and it's just like he is unstoppable. Yeah, the so the film's two hours long. To me, it felt like three hours long. It was yeah, it felt like a long one. At at, some, at one point, I was just thinking to myself, are they gonna do something in this movie? I mean. Something has to happen here. And then what this, this scene that completely turned it around for me and the rest of the movie from that point on the night vision scene from that point on, I was like, yes, awesome. Yeah, I did enjoy it. I thoroughly enjoyed that scene, but at the same time, hated elements of it. It's number one. I like the, when they're just like coming down the hill and you have like the, the purple sky in the background, they're all in silhouettes and he's coming down, he pulls out the knife, and, you know, the, yeah. the knife gets closer and closer. And I like that. I loved all of it. The The night vision and the thermal vision, I could have done without that. The switching back and forth between those, I just, mm. See, for me... I was not a fan of that. For me, that ramped up the suspense. Like, I was I was on the edge of my seat when that... Because they had that, that music playing. The, the score was really prominent in this movie, too. Uh, like kind of boom, 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 and it's just like you're just like, oh my god, oh my god, and the way the the quickness in which they 
cut from camera to camera. So they had like the night vision, then they had the thermal, and then they had the uh, drone or satellite view, whatever it was. And they just kept going back and forth, back and forth through those three shots. And it just, the tension just went through the roof for me on that. Yeah. I did the, the scene that I liked more so than that one was the the prisoner exchange. Yeah, that because I thoroughly enjoyed the way in which they would he would draw so much tension out of essentially nothing. Yeah, just just the idea that something could happen. They just let they just throw it out there that hey, we're going to do this mission. Something might happen, and they even tell you like if it I, happens, like, this is yeah, where. It's, yeah, it's like three or four people even pointed out that okay, if anything's going to happen, it's going to happen right at the end. Yeah. So the whole time, and they just played out. They played out in real time, just about, and it's just cars driving through the streets. But that's yeah, it. Yeah, but the way the and way that they shoot it. Oh my goodness! The how like they they switch formations, and then a bunch of cars go ahead, and then they spot that one guy that's like a street over, and they think that he's a spotter, and then they got to look at the roofs and see if there are anybody if there's anybody up on the roof taking you know looking at them. And they just—they just, they yeah. have to stop for a little bit, and you hear the guns going off. And I mean, there's some terrible dialogue in there because that's when the guys are like, "Those aren't firecrackers." It's like, shut your face! <laughs> what a terrible line of dialogue. Shut <laughs> up. Uh, the the dialogue didn't bother me. Uh, so Josh Brolin plays sort of the comic relief. He's he's sort of the the classic spook in this movie, where he's got the flip flops on and he's just this laid back dude doing his thing man and i I liked his character i thought that his character did add some much needed comic relief to just cut that tension a little bit yeah i like this version of uh josh brolin yeah i thoroughly enjoy him between this and uh inherent vice i've been enjoying josh brolin same here same here and of course benicio del toro is this kind of suave uh charismatic stoic mysterious uh guy who we don't we don't murder, yeah murder mach- mur- yeah murder machine i guess we call him a murder machine who we don't really know much about him until towards the end of the film and uh, i liked his character a lot too i thought that he was a badass i mean especially at the end how can you not think that he's a complete badass that was terrifying uh one 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 interesting choice that, that was made is there were these periodic cutaways to this family in uh in mexico and I, for me, that that those scenes didn't really work. No, this didn't work at all. They they, they didn't. Yeah, I was saying. You know, he's trying to he's trying to play it up as like you you're not exactly sure where this guy stands. Right. So he's a Mexican police officer. You don't know if he's fighting against the cartel or if he's in the pocket of the cartel. And then, you know, and it seems like he's trying to build up some sympathy by showing him that he's a family man, he's a mm-hmm, husband, mm-hmm. he's a father, and then, oh, goodness. And then they finally, you find out, like, what this guy's been doing when he's not at home. And it's just, it didn't work for me at all. Right. It, it, was, it didn't work for me either. Amateurish. Because it, the scenes, when they switched to him, the scenes seemed too long, first of all. To me, they cut the momentum. They cut the pace of the movie. And when the reveal, when the big reveal finally happened, I wasn't invested in this character enough to to care, to have any kind of emotion about this. 
Yeah, and also, I mean, knowing the way that he works and what these characters are going to end up doing, you kind of know right from the outset, of, you know, what side he's going to fall on. It's just a matter of time. You know, yeah, he's trying to be coy and keep it kind of secret. And he's no, I'll reveal it later. And it's like, we already fucking know. Yeah. We already fucking know what Benicio Del Toro is going to do. As soon as I saw him, it's like, oh, okay, yeah. You named your movie Sicario. Exactly. I get it. <laughs> so try to be fucking clever. You gave it away and in the title, yeah. guys. Yeah, and then you give me, then you got to give me a prologue like Sicario means Hitman. It's like, oh shit. Guess what? Someone's going to be a fucking Hitman. Yeah. And when they don't, and when they don't, that's not part of the plot line right off the bat. You know, through process of elimination. <laughs> And that's what kind of bothered me with Emily Blunt's character, which I think Emily Blunt does a great job. Don't get me wrong. I think she's fantastic in this movie. But I think he just wrote that character, or uh, Tyler Sheridan, the, the, the wrote the screenplay. The, her character is way too naive. Well, like to the point where I'm like, her, how the fuck are you an FBI agent? Her character is designed to be the audience, really. Essentially, yeah, right? I mean, because it's it's just like any of these other movies where it's the first day on the job, and basically she's learning how things are done as we're learning it. So it's almost as if her character is used as a plot device. Yeah, which is is I can understand that, but to introduce her as such a smart, intelligent, badass person, right? And you know they have the whole meeting where they're talking about her, and we have to have her on the team. And then to, to see what she becomes, like, literally, like, five minutes later, when she's now working with them, and it's like, what the hell happened? Yeah. Like, I, was... I can understand being, like, kind of in the dark and everything, but she just turns into this, she's just so unbelievably naive. Yeah. And, and she can't see anything, and it's like, oh my goodness. And also, maybe this is just me being cynical and jaded or whatever, but... To me, it seemed like a lot of the stuff that this task force was doing wasn't that bad. It's not like that they were doing things that were truly evil, you know? And every America's been doing for centuries. And every single thing that they did, Emily Blunt's like, no, 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 no. What are you getting me into? This is wrong. This is wrong. And it's like, what, what are they doing that's so bad? Other than the interrogation scene they she probably didn't really know about which she which she wasn't even there for it's like what are they doing that's so awful they're not killing uh, well they're killing people well but... it is it, they're killing people but like the, the, she had a real problem with what went down at the and i'm trying to skirt around everything because i don't want to give anything away but she had a real problem with what happened with that prisoner transport that you mentioned earlier and to me Everything that happened there seemed very procedural, by the book, and justified. Yeah, I mean, no, you don't want to have that happen when there's civilians around. But, but what are you going to do? What are you going to do? They were defending themselves. You have, you have two sides here, and one side has a lot better aim than the other side. So I would, yeah, I would trust them kind of going first. Yeah. If we have civilians around. And, and it seemed like they tried to defuse the situation before it escalated to the point where shots were fired. Yeah. It's not like they just blindly opened fire into a crowd or anything. You know what I mean? Like they, 
it seemed like they went by the book on it, but Emily Blunt was just like, what is this? This is insane. You guys are insane. What did you guys get me into? What did you get me into? But but she never left. She never. She's like, I got to see this through. I got to see what you guys are up to. And, and then I, th- I thought it was odd, too, that when the her partner, Daniel uh, well, Kaluuya, when he shows up and they just, like, let him tag along. Yeah, because there was a whole scene that the one that you mentioned earlier when they were in the meeting room, they specifically said, Josh Brolin was like, I don't want any lawyers on this this team. Oh, and then, never mind. That's, that's right, because she would have walked. She would have walked if he walked. Oh, yeah, during that during that part, yeah. Because that was at the bus terminal. and But still, they... they let him they still sort of let him in though yeah because he was there if they didn't let him in he wouldn't be there and it like they wouldn't have let him drive him around and stuff if i know you would think they would have got someone else to pick him up <laughs> i think they would have had that kind of worked out yeah whatever but a, I mean, a, a lot they, a lot of that stuff's nitpicky up. though yeah but then you have that whole ending where del toro comes back to talk to emily blunt yeah it's like, come on. I had a feeling that something like that was going to happen anyway. It just, I don't know. I, don't know. I still enjoyed it uh, I enjoyed a it lot. too. But I just, it wasn't anything that really got me going, got me super psyched. It's, I just thought it was, it was a good score. I thought Johan Johansson's score was great. I thought all the performances were great. It was really good to see Del Toro be like an insane badass again. Um, it was... Uh, Fairly entertaining, kind of pretty tense. Good work from Roger Deakins. Just solid, like low key work. He was just, you know. Yeah. Well, another little thing that they did that I thought was interesting was there was a scene involving uh, security camera footage and how they did the panning, where they were just mm-hmm. kind of like con- constantly panning and zooming on the different security cameras. I liked how they did that. I thought that looked really cool. But it's a solid movie. Good it is. Stuff. It is a solid movie. I I liked it quite a bit. I mean, we were. It sounded like we were being a little harsh on it, but I I liked it a lot. I don't have a lot of uh, negativity to say about it. I mean, for some reason, it did. It just felt long to me. I don't know why, but it, in probably after the second act or so, during the second act, it just dragged for me a little bit. Get a little dragon action. Yeah. There. Yeah. Not too, not too bad. Because when we came out of the theater, I was like, man, that movie was long. It was like two and a half, three hours long. <laughs> I look at the runtime, it's two hours. I'm like, what? <laughs> it's just, I don't know. For some reason to me, that, that movie felt really long. It, it, it's interesting that this came out, though, because I just finished watching Narcos on Netflix, which obviously Narcos is the Colombian cartels, but there is, and I didn't know it, well... Again, I don't know if that's a spoiler. There is a tie-in to the Colombian cartels in Sicario. So I thought that, that was kind of an interesting uh, tie-in. And, and it does... Sicario does successfully show how fucked up shit is in Mexico. Yeah. Because <laughs> shit is fucked in Mexico. I can imagine. I can it, definitely imagine. A lot of people are talking about like just how brutal this this movie is and how violent it is. But I, I didn't... I had a I little. I, I had a little trouble with it. The there's a couple of things that the be, the begin. I thought that the, the beginning. Yeah. When it, when the explosion happens and they like he has to show the guy crawling and then the camera has to you know tilt down to yeah. show the detached forearm. I'm just thinking why why like it's already 
bad enough that you have like it's 25 dead bodies in the wall like that's enough okay i don't need to see a blown off arm yeah to me that to the to that's me that opening that opening scene was the most uh, horrific out of everything but i just saw a, a trailer for that triple what's it called triple nine the new the new one from john hillcoat oh i'm sure that that's a romp it's a it's a red band trailer you should definitely check it out uh it is it looks like it's gonna be intense it looks really really intense i can imagine yeah you should definitely watch that after we're done recording here uh all right let's go ahead and give some scores to this i will give sicario a i'm gonna i'm gonna throw out a seven and a half on this one. Oh shit i'm gonna give it a seven all right solid solid Sicario is playing everywhere right now, so you can go see it in the theater. And I would recommend seeing this one in the theater. This is one that that uh, definitely looks good on the big screen. So check it check it out. Let's go ahead and talk about some of what we've been watching. I don't remember. I think I'm pretty sure I started last week. I can't remember. Sure. You can go ahead. Sure. Let's try. Uh, I have one here. Uh the second installment of Unsung Indies. That's the International Sign for Choking from, I got, some places they're telling me 2012, other places they're telling me 2013. It's one of those years. Just pick one. <laughs> um, this is from Zach Weintraub. And uh, this is uh, this is really impressive. This is a really impressive movie. Uh, there's, not, there's not a lot going on. I'll just throw that out there. It's just the... Uh, Zach, the director, plays a guy named Josh, goes to Buenos Aires to he's going to work on a documentary, and but he's got to he's got to find a subject first. So much of the time he's spent trying to find a subject for his documentary. Uh, he's also trying to look for a woman from his past. You don't really know who she is. He's just looking for. Her. He can't get a hold of her, and it's just a him really trying to connect with people, and you know try and get away from the loneliness and he is he's not that good at it let's just put it that way i mean he's he's slightly successful but he makes some some questionable decisions throughout but this has the same cinematographer uh nandan rao who did the last unsung indies hawaiian punch has kind of the same style the the off-center framing uh man he knows how to use the sun the sunlight for his his frames and it's just one of those movies where it's like there's not that much going on and it's very minimalist but every frame is thoroughly interesting just on aesthetics alone hmm. so i was i was uh i was quite surprised by this cool and where did you see this i saw this on fandor fandor has all the zach weintraub's okay all of them. So if you have a subscription to Fandor, you can check out the international sign for choking and be sure to read Kevin's article on the site, part of our unsung indies series that you've been, you've been killing it. You've been writing those left, you've been coming out with those left and right, it seems. Hopefully I can keep that up. <laughs> pace yourself you don't want to burn yourself out i mean maybe maybe what you could do is you know write just write a bunch of them and then like kind of line them up you know so you have that's them true. so you have that's them true. on deck that's, that's what i should do but i'm not going to do that 
<laughs> I didn't think you would. <laughs> uh, I saw a movie called Gravy that came out this weekend. This is on VOD, and I think it's in it's in limited. Actually, it is playing. It's playing at the theater uh, by my apartment. Directed by James uh, Rode, the guy who was in Psych. He was the main character of Psych. Oh, okay. And this is his directorial debut. It's a horror comedy. Big surprise. I feel like horror comedies this year, like, found fo- footage last year. There's just so many of them coming out. They're just everywhere. They're all over. This one didn't really work for me. It it uh, it has a, a decent cast. It's got um, a, the one guy from... Uh, always sunny who is one of the the creepy brothers his name's jimmy simpson mm-hmm. you know who i'm talking about mm-hmm. uh he's he's in it and he plays a a cannibal who along with his brother and his girlfriend kidnap the workers of a mexican restaurant and play stupid games with them and eat them one by one it's uh it's really gory it's really violent a lot of practical effects that look fairly decent but none of the jokes really worked for me i didn't laugh at all and the the plot is just kind of bare bones there's just not a whole lot going on here all of the characters felt somewhat stereotypical and they were all just kind of flat to me yeah and yeah just overall not not too into this one i i it felt like one of those movies that came out in the late 90s or even early 2000s during the tarantino hype train that was that was coming through where it seemed like these really dark comedies were coming out you know violent comedies were coming out left and right you had like very bad things and movies like that that seemed to be coming out every week and uh, this kind of falls into that category. It just feels old to me. Mm, yeah. And yeah, just uh, didn't really work. There's a, a decent amount of uh, good actors in this, good performers. Sarah Silverman's in it. For, <laughs> I don't know why she's in it, but she kind of is in these bookend scenes that are there for some reason. I, the only thing I can come up with is just, a reason to have Sarah Silverman in your movie, but <laughs> you can read my full review up on the site for Gravy. That sounds, sounds like something. Yeah. <laughs> I saw it when your when your review went up. I was just like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> gravy. Yeah. And I had an idea, and then I clicked on it, and I was like, "Yeah, that's what I thought it was." Yep. Yep. This is exactly what I thought it was. Uh, the only other thing I watched was a... Well, I watched something else because I thought that that's what we were going to do for this week. Turns out that I was wrong, and that's what we're doing next week. Mm-hmm. So I got one of those knocked out already. Good. Um, but I saw a short documentary. It's only like 11 minutes long. Uh, Dustin Gaidifa, the guy, the director of uh, Bad Fever and uh, Person to Person. He has a new documentary out which actually showed up on, uh, I watched it on the intercept.com field of vision. Okay. I don't know what this is. It's new. Apparently field of vision, I think is one of the creator or co-creator is, um, the, the director of citizen four. Okay. Laura Poitras. 
Mm-hmm. Is that her last name? I think. Yeah, Poitras. So it's a short documentary. Um, it's he after the after uh, Shepard Ferry, the the street artist, got arrested for vandalism in Detroit. Uh, he goes there and kind of explores graffiti and street art and uh, rebellion in Detroit. And it's he's a bit all over the place because he's talking to some street artists. And then I guess around the same time that this is happening, <clears throat> the Church of Satan <clears throat> is trying to get uh, a statue put up <clears throat> in the city uh, of a statue of Satan. <laughs> Uh, you know the whole you know the whole thing the the horned goat and it's like a statue of satan i think he's sitting on a chair and of course he has like the pentagram behind him and everything and there's like two kids at his side that are like yay satan (laughs) (laughs) so he follows that for a little bit and then he finds this other guy that he kind of interviews that uh i guess just got out of jail and he's he's a very unique character, and um, he says some odd things. One of which is that Gila monsters don't have assholes. And I I imagine that the first thing anyone's going to do after watching in the 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 name of this documentary is called uh, God is an Artist. I imagine that every single person that watches this, the first thing they're going to do when they're done is Google if Gila monsters have assholes. I'm sure they will. I'm pretty sure you might even stop it after that. Pa- pause it, pause just, it just to check, just to do a Google, quick Google, <laughs> do a quick Google, and then come back to it. Hmm. So you can watch that for free. Okay. And what was this site again? The Intercept. It's theintercept.com backslash field of vision. Huh. That's on there. Okay. I'll I'll have to look into that. Because I thought it was I thought field of vision was the website. But then I couldn't find it. And here it's on the intercept. And I don't know. I'm not quite sure how all this works. All I know is it's there and I I watched it. I'll look into it. Uh, Kind of bouncing off of the whole Satan thing, I saw Deathgasm this week, which came out in limited release and on VOD. So you can check this one out. And I do recommend this one. It's another horror comedy. What? Surprise. Another horror comedy. This one actually is pretty damn funny. It's... Uh, from New Zealand, and it's about these kind of outcast metalhead teenagers who they form a metal band called Deathgasm, all caps because lowercase is for pussies. Oh. And they find out that one of their favorite bands, the lead singer who kind of disappeared and was rumored to be in isolation somewhere, they find out that he may be living in their town. So they go and they break into his house and they find him there and he's kind of just strung out and crazy and they end up stealing a record from him. And they think that it's one of his records because there's this really rare one that they made and they only made 666 copies of it and it was really expensive. And turns out it was a Rick Astley record. But... Within the within the the sleeve, the record sleeve, there were these pages. It was sheet music, and it turned out to be when you played this music, which of course they played, it uh, resurrected this ancient demon, and this demon started taking over everyone in their town and and kind of possessing people. It it had a, an Evil Dead Two vibe to it. 
strong Evil Dead 2 vibe where they get possessed. They're not really zombies because they can talk, and but they look crazy and they can, you know, like, I'll swallow your soul, that type of thing. Yeah. So the kids in this metal band have to defeat the ancient evil that they have awoken. Really simple premise, but it's just a fun movie. The, the, the level of gore in this movie... They they turn it up to 11. I mean, it is out-of-control gore. I think that they were trying to pay homage to um, Dead Alive, the Peter Jackson film that's notoriously gruesome and violent. Because mm-hmm. it's it's really similar. There's, there's one scene where the one guy has dual chainsaws. He's wielding dual chainsaws. And he's just helicoptering with the dual chainsaws, just chopping people everywhere. <laughs> uh it's it's crazy it's a lot of fun it's silly but it doesn't take itself seriously at all one of my favorite scenes was there's a there's a love interest in it there's this this girl that the main character goes to school with and he kind of has a crush on her and she she kind of likes him too because he's kind of he's kind of a bad bad boy and he gives her a cd and he's like oh you got to listen to this. If you're not familiar with heavy metal, you got to listen to this. And she pops it in walking home and they do this cutaway where she's like this Viking goddess and she's on a mountaintop and she's screaming. And it's just, it's just really funny to, to see her discovery of heavy metal music be (laughs) visualized in that, in that way. But I would say, I mean, I'm not a huge metal fan, you know that, but it's still, well worth looking at because it it takes the the tropes of heavy metal and kind of has fun with it. It doesn't make fun of heavy metal music or anything, but it just it just kind of play plays around with it and it's it's a really good time. So, Deathgasm. I have a full review for that up on the site too, so check that out. I saw uh, another one, another horror movie called The Hive. I checked this the, No, no, it's not. I checked this out because it's so it's presented by the Nerdist, and I think that it's their first movie that they've... I don't know if they produced it. They have something to do with it. I don't know if that... If, <laughs> they did something with this. Yeah, I, I don't know. The uh, it, was, it was produced... It was executive produced by another interesting person, too, and I can't even remember. It was a, like an EDM musician that, that executive produced it. So it's this really kind of weird... I don't know how this movie got made. But anyway, it's about this kid who wakes up and it's actually the kid from Kings of Summer, the um the old the the one that has the broken leg. Okay. So it stars him, I think is Gabriel Basso. Yeah. He uh he wakes up in this room, there's black shit all over the wall. The doors and windows are boarded up. He doesn't know who he is. He doesn't know how he got there. And there's like all these notes kind of written in chalk all over the walls. And he's got all this like black shit on his face and he he looks all busted up. And what happens is he starts to have these kind of flashbacks where he's piecing together what happened. And it turned out that there was this biological compound that it was sort of a virus that connects people, connects people's brains into a hive and so once you're all connected you have the ability to access other people's memories and the problem was that the virus sort of took over the host and 
turned you into this uh, sort of sort of a zombie creature. Okay. That you had me. You had me going there for a while. Yeah. Just, uh... it, it was almost like a body snatchers type of thing where the virus uses the host to try to replicate itself and create one organism, you know, one mind or whatever. And uh yeah, this it didn't this one didn't work for me at all. It's super stylized. Now, some this might work for some people. It looks the whole the whole movie looks like a music video. There's lots of slow motion, there's crazy lighting. A lot of the movies uh done with black lights. So there's these scenes where Long scenes where he uses black lights, so everything glows. Uh, lots of just really, really <laughs> over-stylized visuals in this. Some of it looks really good, I will say, but a lot of it just doesn't work for this type of movie. Uh, just because it's like a, you know, it's a low-budget horror movie, and you're using really, really crazy filters and stuff to to make it look like a music video, essentially. Mm. So. It, yeah, it just didn't work for me, and, and um, it was just meh. There wasn't a lot going on here. There's black yeah. black shit everywhere too, which reminded me of uh, the Hollow. I feel like that's that's a trend in movies: black shit, people vomiting black shit and squirting black shit everywhere. Yeah. Again, it was it was like that Splinter movie where it's just black stuff all over the place. People so. just spitting up black tar. Yeah. This, Black tarry bile. Yep, that's what it is. There's a lot of that going on. And hey. It was just, it was kind of stupid too. Just a lot of it was just stupid and didn't work. Well, honestly, like everything that you were saying sounded very interesting. That's why I and watched it. All of a sudden, it. you got to that that one point, and you even, even sound like you were like, "Oh, I should say this because I'm going to kill everything." Yeah, because I I saw the trailer for this and it looked interesting. I was like, "Oh, okay, I want to check that out." There's, it's kind of memento but a horror movie where he's got a he's got to write himself notes because he knows he's gonna forget and all this stuff but yeah it just it doesn't stick the landing mm. uh the only other one that i'll mention is entourage I finally check this one out oh yeah uh, if you love entourage if you love entourage odds are you probably already saw this and loved it if you love entourage and you somehow missed it you'll probably like it for me it was garbage like it there were just there were so many cameos in it that made no sense. They they were just there for a second, like Kelsey Grammer, like oh hell, hey Ke- hey Kelsey, how you doing? And it's just like, why was he in this movie? It was, oh oh oh, that's right. We're we're constantly reminded that these these five dudes know famous people and they're friends with famous people. Wow, Mark Wahlberg's in it like three times. And the thing I like about Entourage is how it kind of mimics the real life story you know mark Wahlberg's real real life story and then you have the johnny drama character who is obviously supposed to be the older Wahlberg, donnie whoever the older Wahlberg is you know in his younger brother's shadow but then the, the interesting is they get matt dylan's older brother to play johnny drama who is in the kind of in the shadow of his younger brother so there's all these kind of cool things about this show that i like but the movie is just—it is a two-hour episode of the show. It doesn't. There's no closure to anything. In fact, it—it it starts new plot lines. So it feels really? like, yeah, it feels like it's part of the show. There's there's certain things that happen. So, for instance, 
um, uh, what's his name? Ari, his assistant in the show who later becomes his, uh, his own, I think he becomes a manager or something. Uh, in the movie, he's getting married and he wants Ari to walk him down the aisle and he wants, and Ari offers to use his house as the place where they get married, but they never go anywhere with it. They don't, you don't, we don't see the wedding. We don't even know what happens with that. It's like, why would you start that plot thread if you're not going to follow through with it? And and also, half the movie just feels like a giant car commercial. It's it's ridiculous. I mean, it, it is like the definition of Hollywood excess. When you think of Hollywood excess, and I, and I, I understand that maybe that's why some people like this, because they kind of like to live vicariously through these characters. But for me, it's like these these guys are getting to an age where it's not cool anymore it's just pathetic like you're pathetic you're almost 40 years old and you're like having these parties where you call these girls over and you're doing molly with them and having sex with all these girls and it's like dude you're like almost 40 years old you're pathetic (laughs) so entourage the, the movie no that did not work for me would you recommend? You gonna recommend? No, that is not a recommend. Uh, that is a hard pass on Entourage the movie. Again, if you love, if you just love the show, like I bet Ryan will probably like the movie. Because oh, sure it, it just it is the show. If you like the show, then you'll probably like the movie. It's just better looking. Obviously, it's better looking than the show, not by much, but. For me, I just wanted more. I was somebody who kind of liked the show. I'd, I've never, I, I never watched all of the episodes or anything, but I've seen a number of them, and I kind of liked the show. I just wanted something more with the movie, and the the plot wasn't there. The whole freaking movie was about uh, Adrian Grenier making a. He was making a movie that he was directing, and basically, our they were trying to get more money and. Billy Bob Thornton and Haley Joel Osment were these uh, oil baron like rich people that had the money, and it was just stupid. It was stupid. Yeah, that sounds that sounds awful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, it was. All right, let's talk about some predictions. Last week, The Martian. You said seventy-two. I said seventy-six. Actual ninety-four. Jeez. Yeah. Since I was on vacation, I didn't get a chance to see The Martian. However, I hoped I hope to do that soon. I want to see that in The Walk. So I'm going to try to squeeze those in this week. Because I've heard good things about both of them. Except for a freaking Neil deGrasse Tyson spoiled The Martian on his Twitter feed. Which royally pissed me off. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he just blatantly sent out a tweet that spoiled the movie. Oh, cool. Yeah. So that was pretty big bummer we predicted helen back in fact it still says october 2nd for helen back but that yeah but that movie did not come out and i was pretty sure that it got pushed back but so i don't know what the status of that movie is i've seen zero marketing for it (laughs) we got a we got a few pr emails for it but nothing about release dates or anything so i don't know what's going on with that one so I'm not going to bother reading those scores out. Well, there, there is no... Because there is no Rotten Tomatoes score, so... Can we just make one up and say that I nailed it? Uh, you predicted 58 on that one, so... I think it's yes. probably going to be lower than that when it comes out. 
More than likely. I'm guessing like 26 now. <laughs> uh, next week, we have Pan. Oh, boy. Peter Pan. Mm. What are you thinking on this one? doesn't look that good. That doesn't look good to me. And it's not Disney either, so that's that's another thing to keep in mind. This is not a Disney production. I'm going to say 48. 48? All right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, let's see. I will say, hmm, I'll say 52. Ooh, all right. And Steve Jobs. I've heard good things about this. How many fucking Steve Jobs movies are we going to have? You know, I read that uh, when the way that the film is structured, it's it takes place in three kind of pivotal moments in the, in the life slash career of Steve Jobs. And Danny Boyle used... Uh, I could be wrong on this, but I think it was 1632 and digital to film each of the three different parts. Ooh. So you actually use like three different. Oh. I think that's cool. Yeah, but they're all three are gonna look like shit because it's Danny Boyle. I I I don't I don't understand why you think that Danny Boyle's movies look like shit all of a sudden. Oh, I thought that for a while. How how do his movies look like shit? I, we've gone listen back to the episodes i don't remember i don't remember talking about his yeah, movies looking some, like shit get some trance go back to the trance podcast oh trance see i, I didn't don't, see that one but don't actually don't because i'm sure it's not good i'll i'll, I'll listen to it because i, I want to know exactly what you said and i'm going to copy it down no please don't do that <laughs> <laughs> please don't use my words against me I, I think a lot of his movies look great. I think the train spotting and sunshine look amazing. You see, that's one I, that's I still haven't seen that yet. Sunshine, I check that one. Yeah, I gotta check that out. Yeah, you do. I, I think, think I've said that probably like thirty times throughout my life to I, you. I think every single time. I think those are still my two favorites of his. Number one and number two, trains. Well, Twenty Eight Days Later, too. Now that movie is one that I will admit now doesn't look great because I think that that was in the very early days of digital and it looks really, it looks really weird now. It looks really <laughs> shitty, but at any rate, uh, let's see. Okay. Steve jobs. I'm going to say 86 on this one. I'm going to, I'm going to hit high. I'm going to say, uh, 72. That's a Sorkin script too. So that's going to gonna be a lot of walking and talking. Yeah, I hope so. It seems it seems like walking and talking, just it, walking around, walking around talking. It seems like the type of movie that would be suited for that, though. Yeah, just kind of talking about iPhones, talking about those talking apples, about talking about those apples. All right, the walk. What are you thinking on the walk? A little Robert Zemeckis action. <laughs> Why does this exist? I don't know. I don't know why. When well, see, that's the thing. When I saw trailers and was reading about this and all this stuff, I was like, "Why wouldn't you just watch Man on Wire? Because that is an amazing documentary." But yeah, from what everybody's saying, every, everybody's raving about this one. So I don't know. Hmm. I'm gonna say fifty-four. Hmm. All right. I'm gonna say seventy-eight on that one. I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. Personally, I'm still a little... I don't know. I, I'm probably going to go see that in the IMAX just because it seems like a really good IMAX movie. 
I'm going to see it in 3D, too. Personally, for me, it doesn't exist. Well, for I'll never watch it, ever. Probably because you have an insane fear of heights. Well, that, too, yeah. I don't need to see that shit in 3D. Or IMAX. I'm not a... I'm not a huge that. I'm not a huge Zemeckis fan either, especially his like later stuff. He's alright. Uh, mm. I mean I like I don't who, really have anything against him. I mean I love Who Framed Roger Rabbit. He did that, right? Sure. In limited release next week, we have Breaking Through. I I'm not sure what that one is. Victoria, I'm interested in that one. That's the the single take Ooh. one. That's that literally is a single take. There, there's no, uh, no like hidden cuts or anything like that. Are you sure? Yeah. How do you know? Because they said it. I mean, it's. We well, can't just well, obvi- obviously, but it is part of the marketing of that movie is that it is a true sing- so single take. You, you're trusting marketing now. I am. Oh, what in this, in, to you? in this case, I am. I, I do, I do believe that it is truly a single take because they. Uh-huh. I feel like they wouldn't be touting it if it wasn't true. I mean, I'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to see what what we'll happens, see. and you can we'll be, you can be a naysayer and say, "Oh, well, there was that one part when she looked away and they moved the camera, and that was clearly a cut." But I don't know. I'll, I'm gonna believe it until I see otherwise. All right, you're a very trusting man. It looks good either way. I, I, well, apparently they there are, are flubs and things in it that they kept in. So okay, all right. I don't know. We'll see. I'm interested. We also have The Final Girls. I recommend that one. Knock Knock. Do not recommend that one. That's the Eli Roth one that I kind of railed on several times already on this show. Uh, Yakuza Apocalypse. <coughs> Excuse me. That's the uh, Takeshi Miike one that we're going to be talking about next week on our special Japan episode. Uh little spoiler for next week we're gonna be doing japanese japanese we're gonna be doing doing three three brand new japanese films and i'm really i am really excited about that getting Uh, jazzed up yeah so i guess i'll just since we're talking about it we're gonna do yakuza apocalypse we're gonna do tokyo tribe and we're gonna do um assassination classroom so i watched assassination classroom no, don't don't say a word about it because I have not but watched it. Yet. I, I wa- just I just want to point out the you know the it, it it was it it felt really awful watching that because I watched it the day of that Oregon shooting. Oh God! So it just did not, mm. and I didn't really think about it until I was like kind of in into it, and I was just like, oh jeez, mm. like this is unfortunate. I. uh I I watched uh, the first few minutes of it just to check the quality of the screener and there, well we'll get into it. There was within the first five minutes I was already laughing because there's some really funny stuff there at the beginning. Um, all right, where are we at here? Gravy, Sorry. Gravy comes out in limited release. Okay, so that's actually playing here in New York now, so maybe it expands a little bit next week. And Terror, that documentary. That that documentary's been having some issues getting getting out to people. They started up a crowdfunding campaign. I don't know if it was Indiegogo or Kickstarter, but they're running into some legal problems because of the the content within that movie, and they have to like pay all these legal fees and hire all these lawyers and stuff just to try to get the movie out there. Oh, that sucks. 
Yeah, because it's it's a really really interesting movie too. But I think that it's finally going to see the light of day. So that'll that'll be good. Next week on Video on Demand, we have Manson Family Vacation. I recommend that one. That's that's a really interesting comedy with uh, Jay Duplass and Linus Phillips. Uh, Children of the Night. That's the one I mentioned last week about the child vampire school in Spain or Mexico. I can't remember. I haven't seen the movie, so I don't. I'm not sure. Uh, I just like the way you stated that. <laughs> it sounded like it was a documentary. Yeah, like it's a real thing. Sure, yeah. it is. Sure, it's, it's absolutely real. I spit on your grave three because we needed that in our lives. Breaking through. Uh, the Final Girls, and Knock Knock. So, The Final Girls, I definitely recommend on that list. Manson Family Vacation, I also recommend checking that out. The rest of them, probably skip. Children of the Night looks interesting, but the quality looks very poor on that, so mm-hmm. it, it looks extremely low budget to me. Yeah. But, I don't know, I think Art Exploitation is putting that one out, if I'm not mistaken, and I kinda, I'm kind of digging on the stuff that they've been doing in their... Uh, They've only been around for like a year or so, so they're doing some cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, DVD and Blu-ray. Um, I don't have my Blu-ray list up right now, so Kevin, why don't you talk about the Criterions? We have one Criterion. Hopefully that'll give you enough time. And we have Gus Van Sant's 1991, My Own Private Idaho. Now Coming have, out on the old Blu-ray. Have you seen that one? I tried to watch it once, and I couldn't do it. I, I just couldn't. I couldn't get through it. Yeah, I haven't. I have not seen that one. So I, I'll give it another shot. Yeah, I, try. Is that uh, River it? Phoenix? Keanu Reeves. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay. On Blu-ray, Insidious Chapter Three. I have not seen that, but I heard not great things. So, mm-hmm. not sure if I rec- can recommend that one. We are still here. That's a horror movie that I do recommend. That's a really, really interesting one with Barbara Crampton. Highly recommend that one, actually. Probably, that'll probably go on my top ten horror movies this year. Me, Earl, and the Dying Girl. I heard good things about that. I haven't seen it yet. Tremors 5. Tremors 5 is coming out. I didn't know there was a, a 4. Yeah, there is a 4. And a 3 and a 2. <laughs> I remember part two, part 2 was the one where they could they grew legs and could walk around. Which basically defeated the purpose of the Tremors. Yeah, I think I'd stopped after two. Same here. But I, I think I still enjoyed two to an extent. I didn't like two at all. I remember that. I remember being like, what is this? This is so terrible. And then three, I think, is called Tremors 3 Back to Perfection, which is just... Uh, I don't. I never saw that one. And then part four is the one that takes place in the Wild West. <laughs> it's like a... It's like a Western, and I think like some. Oh, no, maybe that's not it. What? Like, there's a Western with Chris Kattan in it, and I was thinking maybe it was Tremors Four, <laughs> but uh, I'm not sure if that was it. There was a zombie movie that took place in the West that I think maybe had Chris Kattan in it. Oh, we gotta find out what that is. Either way, I recently was at a website and an ad for Tremors Five popped up on one of their video players. So I saw part of the trailer, and it looks absolutely terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have Magic Mike XXL. There's a really interesting Home Alone 25th Anniversary Edition that comes in a paint bucket. Oh, <laughs> yeah, 
that looks that that's kind of cool um gravy comes out air which is that one with norman reedus that i didn't like I, if, I feel as though you've said you've mentioned gravy like 37 times i did because i saw it this week and then it also and then it comes out on <laughs> all the other things this week also oh my goodness Manglehorn comes out Manglehorn. you were a big fan of that one weren't you get his horns man it was all right that's what i said right. i think you loved it i thought it was all right and you loved it you fucking loved Manglehorn. <laughs> i love how you remember things <laughs> Uh, I, I remember you, you liked it more than me. I know that. I liked all the the the, the odd stuff, and wish they did more of that. Watermelon oh, yeah. crash. Yeah, I think that I just I think we spent like thirty seven minutes talking about watermelon car crash. It's the best scene in the movie. Oh, yeah. uh, the uh, final girl comes out. The one that's absolutely awful with Abigail Breslin. She's on that new show, Scream Queens, on Fox. And oh god, that show. Is awful, awful yeah. show. Yes, cannot recommend that one. Um, Alleluia comes out. We were both a little meh. They're singing in it. Just know that. Just know that going in. You just out of nowhere, someone's gonna sing to you. So you yeah. more. Yeah. Um, let's see. That's pretty much it. There's a bunch of Christmas stuff starting to come out. So oh, fuck that. Yeah. That shit. Yeah, not not. There's a horror movie called Last Shift that has a pretty creepy looking cover, but I bet it's pretty bad. Oh, uh, Going Clear, the Scientology documentary from Alex Gibney is coming out oh. on Blue, Baby Blue, Shark, and Sharknado Three. Oh hell no! Oh jeez. Oh, Dark Places too comes out. Okay. Lots of stuff. There's so many. There's so many things. When Marnie was there comes out too. <laughs> oh my god. The Studio Ghibli. Are you done? Or you I'm have, done. Like, what are the other movies? I'm officially done now. Does Gravy? Does the, is Gravy coming out? I think Gravy's coming out too. Okay. Yeah, I think Gravy, and then also Gravy. Ooh, twofer, double bill Gravy with Gravy. Do you remember there's a movie that I talked about? Oh, it was a while ago now, but it was called Crazy Bitches, and I mm-hmm. wrote, I wrote a review, and it was like one of the worst movies I've seen this year. I just mm-hmm. I got an email from a publicist today saying that they're kickstarting the sequel called crazier bitches <laughs> uh i was like so what? They, they don't remember i i can't imagine that that's gonna work out for them. the movie's so bad but anyway I, I digress i think that that's gonna do it for this week thank you so much for being with us whether you're watching on the live stream on the replay if you're listening thank you so much we appreciate that send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net you can follow us on twitter at filmpulse.net or at filmpulsekevin and take a minute to look at our patreon page patreon.com slash filmpulse and consider helping filmpulse stay running all right that's gonna do it for kevin rakestraw my name's adam patterson we'll see you on thursday for ryan watches a movie Yeah, yeah, I I stumbled off there because there were like two things in my head that were conflicting, and I wasn't sure which which where I was gonna go with it. So I ended up stumbling.
Did you do the old and you just kind of morphed them together? Well, I started to, but then I realized that it wasn't making any sense, so I had to stop and then recalculate. I gotcha. You know, my GPS took a wrong turn. I had to recalculate that, so. I gotcha. 